The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a 1983 episode of Radioactive Metal. (laughs) This is episode 729. And I'm Snowy White. And I am dead tired, ladies and gentlemen. This is Aaron. I need a cup of True Cold Coffee. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Go out there, check out the website, check out the coffee, get on the mailing list at the very least, right? If you don't buy coffee today, which you should, if you drink coffee and you like coffee and you want a connoisseur's coffee, fancy coffee, fancy for metalheads, but you know, you should be ordering this. But at the very least, get on the mailing list because even like maybe, you know what, nah, I'm not ready today, but... When they have insert your favorite band here doing their partner roast, you may be interested in that. And that's the kind of stuff that happens a lot with uh, the um, the True Cult Coffee Camp. They're, they've always got something brewing, pun intended. And they're just, you know, trying to bring the best possible products to the metal masses, you know, mm-hmm. and still stay metal and indie kind of at the same time. You know, because this is no giant coffee. There is no True Cult Coffee Tower building in New York anywhere. This is just a dude who digs coffee, who's supporting his family, and he wants to make great coffee and bring it to metal people. So, True Cult Coffee, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T Coffee.com. Possess yourself a cup today. What's going on there, Snowy Man? Well, I'm kind of in a celebratory mood, shall we say. I'm in the last... Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. I didn't yeah. realize you were celibate. No, no. Trust me. <laughs> I'm, I'm still alive. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's never going to happen. But, yeah, no, I mean, last, last episode was such a bummer, and we appreciate everyone tuning in and helping us pay respect to our good buddy, Mr. Bob Nelbanyan. Yeah, thank you, Eric, too. Thank you. Everyone, um, it was an amazing episode, and I know we did Bob good, but we want to switch gears a little bit because that's the way he would want it. 
he wouldn't want us to be down and out and not getting our shit together and all that. So we're going to hop back up on the iron horse here and give her. And like I said, I'm kind of celebrating tonight because as we speak, it is, it's a Friday. Okay. And last night as we speak, and the only reason I'm kind of bringing this up because you're going get to get a kick out of it because it's very Canadian. But our boys, our Canadian junior hockey team, just won gold medal in the World Juniors last night. Oh, congratulations. That's fantastic. That is very Canadian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very much so. Very much so. It was Did they break out the formal flannel? <laughs> the formal flannel. Well, that's, that, that should be the uniform next year. The formal you know. flannel, and <laughs> and um, were, were they were they led into town by a herd of moose? Oh yeah, oh that's 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 what gave the inspiration for the big win. <laughs> uh, yeah, which it went right down to the wire. It went in overtime. We had the gold medal game against che- che- Chechnya, and it went into overtime, and, and that's when it gets nail biting. That's. You know, sitting on the edge of your seat is supposed to be an expression. Oh, no, no, no. Not when I'm watching sports and we go in extra innings and it's something as important like this. Okay, because I'm, yes, literally on the edge of the seat. And when that overtime goal was scored, the whole nation just erupted, I'm sure. So we want to say congratulations and horns up. Boys, let's see a repeat next year as well. Before we do, get on to it a little more. A little bit of radioactive metal house cleaning here. Um, Our uh, radioactive metal alum, Morgan Lander. She of kitty fame. As we speak, it is her birthday. Oh, happy birthday, yeah, Morgan. Yeah. So we want to say we want to say hello and happy birthday to her as well. I can't wait to have one of the sisters on again sometime soon. But let's get on with it here, shall we say, for the good folks at True Cavalt Coffee in our mandatory metal segment, which, by the way, okay, our longtime, like our regular list listeners will know, like the beef I have with my local commercial radio station, that every weekday at five, they play, like, their mandatory metal segment. Definitely. Well, rock till you drop. I, uh, that I could go for, but more often than not, it's like, Disturbed or Avenged Sevenfold or Godsmack. Oh, Firehouse. Or, now yeah. I've found the love of a lifetime. Like, like it's 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 bands that they already play. Like yeah. you know, just a just just a different song or whatever. So that kind of gnaws at me. But every once in a while, they do kind of pull it off. And I guess it was Friday because they played Slayer's Raining Blood. Wow. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so the kid done right in Snowy's book, but we're gonna go one step up here in our mandatory metal segment. The new abysmal lord record, Bestiary of Immortal Hunger, is now available from the good folks at Hell's Headbangers. So let's get on with a track with a track off of that. This is Abysmal Lord with Ultra Expulsor. 
Very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Oh, hey, bro, what's going on? All right, so I gotta find it. Oh shit! I need to make a new metal fix for this year. Ah, because this is 2023. I'm still using 2022. What's wrong with me? Oh, anyway, um, finally. I got my Rob Halford pop. Ooh, I need one. I need one. I pre-ordered it months ago on Amazon. It just showed up one day, and I posted a picture of it immediately on Instagram saying that my S&M Elton John pop had showed up finally. <laughs> right on. I, I honestly think that Elton John, um, Funko Pop, and Rob Halford all need to kind of get together and lean into that and and just put out the exact same one but change the box so it says S&M Elton John. I right. I personally think that'd be hysterical. You know. Uh-huh. Um and then I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. But remember, you know, Metal and Monsters. Have you watched episode 2 yet? Oh no. Ser- dude, seriously, I the know, one night you're like I'm going to go do that next. Damn you. <laughs> I didn't. Okay, well, you're missing out because it's really uh-huh. great. But we talked about like in the first episode where, you know, you actually send them like a real handwritten letter like the old days, you know. Mm-hmm. And son of a bitch, I got a postcard back. Oh. I was so excited. I'm like, holy crap. Look at this postcard. It's really cool. Yeah. So that kind of made my day. Right on. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And then, did you hear, and this is why I was asking about um, the Queen being on Canada's money, but did you hear that Iron Maiden is now on postage stamps in the UK? No. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and let me tell you, they are cool, right? So, and, and I, I've, because, I mean, the Royal Mail is basically at the, U, the U.S. Postal Service down here, right? Mm-hmm. And go to royalmail.com, everybody. Um, and they have all kinds of limited edition sets. Like, oh, good. Some of this stuff's back up for pre-order. Some, some of it's sold out. Um, but some of these sets are 150 bucks. Oh, like, geez. No, but, but you can tell that they knew that Iron Maiden fans are crazy. And um, like here, here's one that's like this special platinum Eddie stamps, and it comes in a special case. It's like two hundred bucks sold out. Oh, um, framed Senjutsu stamp sold out. Ah, yeah, 
And I like, and the thing is, I'm like, I wonder if I can pre-order this stuff being in the states, because you can get different, you know, sheets and and little. Some of them come in little presentation booklets. I'm like, can I get some of these collector things? And they have postcards. I'm like, I wonder if I can sign in and order these on the, you know, on the website and have them shipped to me here in the U.S. And that is why I was asking you about the Queen's money, because I'd, I'd heard about that recently. I'm like, well, wait a second. If the Queen is on Canadian money, do you guys also share a postal service? Mm. No, no, I don't think so. The Canadian post is different? Yeah, I think so. Well, bummer for you then. You don't have Iron <laughs> Maiden stamps. But... Uh, yeah. I, I mean, how, and, and the thing is like, I don't know about you, dude, but like I used to collect stamps, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know where my stamp collection is. It's, it's somewhere between some houses. Um, but my grandfather was really into it. And then I started getting into it and, you know, new, new set of stamps come out, you go get a sheet and they had like the balloon stamps. And honestly, dude, like I've always enjoyed the artwork. Like a lot of artwork goes into a postage stamp. You know, sometimes it's two color, sometimes it's multicolor. But I mean, in the old days of printing, when they had to like carve out the plates, you know, and, and just, man, yeah. Like I just, I really, really love that kind of stuff. So I, I've always been into stamps. And when I saw Iron Maiden got their own stamps, I just about lost my mind. I'm like, how stinking cool is that? You know, and it's one of those things where I'm like, man, it's about time. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a band, be, because like, and honestly, I don't know if Pink Floyd has ever been on a stamp in the UK. Um, I don't know if Black Sabbath ever has been, or you know, and right. and it's funny because normally I can think of a thousand UK bands, and right now I'm struggling. But like, for me, like I would think that it's about damn time that Iron Maiden gets their due and gets a stamp. Oh, for sure, for sure. This, this, this makes me think. Okay, go, going back to the old pen banger days in the eighties in the back of Metal Forces magazine, where we used to, you know, do the letter fan letters, you know, back and forth to 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 other fans and 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 all that. And it's it's got me thinking. It's like how cool when you're doing the whole, you know, pen pal thing. To have Iron Maiden stamps for that. Oh yeah, like that would that would have been just <laughs> that would have been just awesome. I mean, like obviously you're not going to waste these stamps now because they're worth a pretty penny and all that, and it's for collectors. But yeah, how cool would it be? You know, you get a a, a pen pal letter from a guy in uh, in in the UK. Oh, and he's got a Maiden stamp on it, like a number of the beast. Maiden stamp or something. Well, and that's the thing wow. is like some of them are collector sets, but the others are just regular stamp prices. Like just any other stamp, you just buy a book of them. And I, dude, I would totally do that. I would totally buy a book of stamps and start sending letters to everybody I knew. <laughs> just you know? because. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. because. And like, Why did you send me a letter? I'm like, apparently you didn't look at the stamp. Yeah. Look at this. You know? look, look at this stamp, motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> That's, that's pretty much exactly what I'd say, too. You know? we, we've had some bizarre conversations where I've said, okay, when I woke up this morning, I never thought we would be discussing this. 
I never thought we would be discussing stamps and stamp collecting. <laughs> uh, you know, I would think by now that you would realize everything is free game on this show. Everything All is of it. game. Yeah, everything is game. All of it, yeah. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. if you don't think we're ever going to talk about it, prepare to talk about it. You know? Mm. But yeah, but I mean, how cool is that? They like, and and I mean, I I guess there's two two sides of the coin, because, you know, you're gonna have people that are gonna be like, oh well, you know, like I'm so excited, I'm like, oh this is so cool, like Iron Man's on a stamp, that's cool. But then other people are like, well, don't they just put old things and old people on stamps? And you know, I'm like, okay, I can see kind of both arguments there, but at the same time. Like, and this kind of transitions slightly into a different conversation, but just uh, things are different than, than they were 20 years ago, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're always different than they are, were 20 years ago. But, but here, here's, here's my point. Like I go to, like, I, I have to get, um, you know, oh goodness, what, like support tennis shoes i can't remember what the, what the word is i'm looking for but i i have to get like not orthopedic but i have to get like a special shoe that that gives me good ankle support stability that's the word stability okay shoes. and every time i go in the only colors they have are like every now and then i can find like a blue but most of the time they're just these ugly black and gray like the old men of 20 years ago would wear and when the thing is like, you know, if they were 50, 20 years ago, well, and I was 30, I am now 50. So I can see where somebody like, oh, well, you're 50. You'd want black and gray. Like, yeah, but I'm not that 50. I'm my yeah. 50 because that guy is now 70 and he's different than the 70 year old of 20 years ago. You know, it. but 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 the the biggest like, like I think the, the the like the biggest like scam that the media or anybody's ever been able to do is convince people that all people who are sixty are the same since the eighties. Like, like even kids today, they're like, oh, well, you know, um, th- this sixty-year-old they just can't handle this. I'm like, bitch, please. <laughs> Like, Wait until I'm 60, damn it. I'm like, do you realize the thing that that 60-year-old can do that 20 years ago a 60-year-old couldn't? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you you have no perspective, you know? And what's funny is, like, like most of the 60-year-olds weren't even spunky enough to, like, have this conversation. Every now and then a couple of them were. But it just, I don't know, it just, it just cracks me up, the perspective of things. But anyway... So yeah, stamps, Iron Maiden, pretty damn excited. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, um, I am well. I actually, as as of recording this, I finished bass tracks for the upcoming D Gregorio EP this year. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that, man. Like, um, I man, I think you and I have talked about it off air. I can't remember talking about it on air. But um, I know on the air I talked about, like, I've been taking guitar lessons, and I actually, I stopped those, like, in September, and I started picking up bass lessons online. And, you know, I, I went to music school, I studied all this stuff, and Sue always loves to bust me, you know, because she's like, oh, well, you went to music school, and you don't know what blah, blah, blah chord is. I'm like, yeah, 
because I didn't give a shit about it. I gave a shit about playing it. I can play mm-hmm. it. I didn't memorize that stuff because it wasn't important to me. You know, um, I, 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 I've really never been the traditional musician on either side of the fence. I've never been the traditional rock punk musician. I've never been the traditional classically trained musician. I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm just holding up my middle finger to all sides and being like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And so she'll always bust on me on this shit. And then like, I'll, I'll give her hell because like she'll, she'll screw up something like in four, four time rhythmically. And and I'll just, I'll rib the hell out of her. I'm like, yeah, I can play four, four. And, And that's like our running joke because dude, she does some of the most complicated fucking time changes and key changes and all these things. Like this stuff was tough. It was tough. It was fun. Like, like the, I can't remember the last song I recorded and I don't have my notes in front of me, but, um, I can't remember. No, was it blood Eagle? No, I think it was forever alone. Dude. It, these are some really, really fun songs. There, there's uh, some of them have like a little bit of le- like, um, like a prog metal or a maiden kind of feel. Well, they definitely have a maiden kind of feel on the bass currently, um, you know, because mm-hmm. that was me. But <laughs> um, just uh, they're super fun, but they're hard. But anyway, I started like getting back in these bass lessons because Sue would send me over tracks, and she always wants me to do tracks. And I would always be like, when do you need them? And then by the time she knew, I'm like, you know what? No. Like I had just had to start saying no because I did not have the time to learn and, and try to get myself ramped back up to think in that very musical way because I haven't done it in so long. You know, because I mean, like I'm a very casual player now. So I started studying and it has really paid off because I was able to get through those songs way faster than I thought I was going to way faster so yeah it's it's been a good time but that is everything man so what's going on with you well myself i'm uh getting 2023 off and running the way your cool uncle snowy likes to do it because i took in my first show new year's day i had i had put off you know okay new year's eve is supposed to be the big party time and all that which it's like no no i say i'm gonna hold off doing the whole new year's eve thing we decided to take it on a hockey game go winnipeg ice okay which we saw an absolute barn burner of a game with the ice winning in overtime nice man as well yeah so that was a great way to spend new year's but new year's day gig number one and it was a house show Oh, now, if anyone if anyone listening to this that doesn't know what a house show is, okay, and if we have any of our crossover fans with Wrestling Night in Canada, you'll know what a house show is in wrestling, but if you don't know what a house show is in heavy music, whether it's punk or metal or hardcore, it's basically what it sounds like. It's a show instead of in a club or a small theater or whatever, but it's in someone's house. And basically, well, it basically, it, it's a house party with bands playing in the basement or in the garage. And those are always a really good time. So that's how I brought 2023 in. I want to say hello and horns up to my good buddy, Crystal. Not 
the crystal vandalism that we've had on the show before, but another really cool crystal here in the metal scene. And um, her and her flatmates, I guess you'd call them, that, you know, have purchased this new house. Nice, nice new big basement that works perfect for shows. How very British of you to say flatmates. Flatmates, yeah, well, <laughs> yes. I probably speak a lot of, you know, British terms without even really knowing it from 40 years of napalm death, reading napalm death interviews. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, so, so it's just kind of things that you, that, that you pick up. Now, they were saying, okay, it's, admission is this month, because you still got to pay at the door. It, it is a show, mm-hmm. but we'll charge you half if you wear something blue. Okay, I don't have any blue shirts or anything like that. Like, all my shirts are black, obviously, you know. No. Yeah. You? What? (laughs) So, so I have, but I have this one just solid blue long sleeve shirt that I wear at Money Job. Okay, so it's like, okay, I'll take it home. I'll wash it and I'll wear this. But it's like, uh, this is just a boring blue shirt. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to a show. So I decided to get a little creative. Grabbed a piece of cardboard, some string, stapled each end to the car, each end of the string to the cardboard, wrote band logo on the cardboard and just wore it around my neck like a necklace all night. That's pretty funny. So like the band logo was right in the middle, of, like on my chest in the middle of the shirt. And yeah, everyone loved it. I could see it took a couple minutes. Some people, they were kind of like, I don't, I don't get it. Oh, oh, the band logo instead of an actual shirt because we're wearing blue. It's like, yeah. So yeah, my band logo was a big hit in this absolutely amazing show. Just Four local bands, just kind of k- killing in the basement. Phantom Menace, among among others, really good stuff. Suburban Hypocrites, and Stew the Rabbit, which that was their very first gig. And what was Stew the Rabbit was so interesting because it was just an an acoustic guitar, a singer, and the percussionist just put a mic by a uh, amp, mm-hmm. or it was and kind of sat on the amp and just and just nice yeah yeah and it worked it worked really well <laughs> like like yeah so it was it was a great time as always house shows go to them go to them if you've ever if there's some coming to your town and you're ever kind of on the fence well do i want to do this and all that trust me just go just just do it and just think of it as you're just you know having a party with a bunch of your friends and it's always a really good time i'm glad you mentioned the rob halford pop doll the funko snm elton john yeah because i did pretty good in that department as well actually it was because we didn't because after Christmas, we kind of took a week off, and then we had our Bob tribute, so we're kind of playing catch-up. But um, Little Snowy knows me so well. 
you know, dad is the easiest person in the world to buy for. That's kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> well, well, she found me a spider punk Funko Pop. Oh, I saw you post that. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And of course, spider punk was that five issue mini series of an alternate Spider-Man who's a young in his teens and he's a he's a touring punk rocker and along the along the way they fight supervillains and it's just it's really it's a, it's it's a fantastic series and when i saw the uh this the spider punk funk funko it's like oh this is really cool i god i can't get it though i'll bet you the next day little snowy went to that same store and just grabbed it nice for <laughs> for christmas so yeah that was really cool when you get a chance okay i don't know when the last time you were in your local comic shop but you're gonna want to get there as soon as you can because i don't know if this is just gonna be a one-off or if it's issue one of an ongoing series or go flipping through it i really it really isn't telling me, but it's called it's a it's a really cool new title called Monsters of Metal. Okay. And basically what it is is you know, it's a um it's a rock band, a metal band, okay, that are comprised of classic old time monsters. There's oh. there's a were there's a werewolf there's Jacko the Jack and Lantern there's a Frankenstein there's a Bride of Frankenstein there's a a version of Medusa is the vocalist who's putting this out um I got it in my Opus wow uh, yeah in, this honestly in, feels it, like Gibson should be involved because they did their Metal and Monsters <laughs> like like what what all of a sudden got everybody to be like you know what heavy metal and monsters we should put those together like wh all of a sudden everybody's finally drawn the, those two dots together mhm mm mhm mm like why now why did it take this long <laughs> I, I i don't know i always thought there was a really strong connection between monsters and horror and metal even well, yeah but even even like pre death two. metal yeah even like like pre pre death metal there's always that really strong connection so yeah monsters of metal dude you're gonna want to uh you're gonna want to check check that out is this it's a really miniseries cool. an ongoing i honestly okay. i don't know i i don't know there was just the one issue so far and what, what's and it called again monsters of metal monsters of metal monsters yes of metal. okay the band consists of billy wolfgang reigns medina jacko frank and Brianna Bride McKenzie. Oh my goodness, I love it. Yeah, yeah, you are going to absolutely love this. And I can't wait to issue two. I hope there's an issue two. I hope it's not just a, a one-off for shits and giggles. But uh, yeah, really cool stuff. So apart from the comic book shop as well, I did hit the, uh, the record shop a couple times as well definitely in contention for record of the year and we've all we played this record already and we'll get to we'll get to another track here because well i got to because we played the promotional copy when it first when it was first came across our desk uh 
But since I picked up the actual thing, well, we got to do it again to commemorate that. Makes sense. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. The new witchery. Let there be witchery. And I've got all of the the um, the 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 previous witchery discography on CD and on cassette. First witchery vinyl. Really, really sweet package with a poster and everything from the good folks at Metal Blade as well. Um, a little while back, uh, we played Winnipeg Punk Rockers uh, Personality Crisis, the title track from their album Creatures for a While. And this is like a classic Canadian punk record. Goes back to, well, I think 1983 for a nice... Uh, a nice coincidence. I never had this album back then for one reason or another back in the day. Okay. I just never picked this album up. I guess I just kind of took it for granted. Well, it's been re-released now and my local record shop had, uh, had some new copies in cause a, a second hand of the original press would be about 200 bucks even like easy. For sure. So, yeah, it was so it was so cool to pick that up. You're not going to believe this. okay? but. For the very just recently, okay, just last week, I finally picked up a copy of the Rocky Horror Picture Show album. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Again, what, what once again, it was just. Something I guess I just kind of took it for granted, you know. Yeah, I like, so it's always, have that one. Uh, uh, yeah, me, me too, me too. But I found, I found a secondhand copy, you know, really, re- really good condition, really good price. You know what? I'm finally going to grab this, and yeah, oh, it's fantastic. I wish, and you know, I'm already familiar with some of the songs, you know, like the the, the main theme and the and time warp and all that, like. It's not that I don't know of this, of what this is and all that. And it's a classic movie and all that. I just, for some reason or another, I just never had the soundtrack. So we rectified that. And you remember the Wasp live album, Live in the Raw, from back in the day? Oh, yeah. Like, what a fantastic record that is. Yeah, I love that record. Well, I had it on cassette. I still have the cassette downstairs in the snowy vaults but i had the opportunity to grab a well it's, it's a re-released with some bonus tracks of a bonus ep and all that songs that didn't make you know live songs that didn't make the original the original release but i found a vinyl copy of it and i i had to snap it up from the good folks at planet of sound and just like like that record was amazing in 1987. Oh yeah, you know their theme song to Ghoulies Two, "Scream Until You Like It," still in my top ten favorite songs oh, of all time. Such sure. a great Easy. tune, dude. Ah, oh, absolutely fantastic. Once again, Metal Monsters. Yeah, you know, so like yeah, like I had to snap that up, and I did, and it's so cool. It's so cool. So. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, pretty exciting holiday and all that. And um, 
I can't wait to see what 2023 brings. But right now, let's see what we're going to bring here with some tunage. How about that new witchery record, Let There Be Witchery? <laughs> I love this. This is Sex, S-Z-E-X, Witchery.
had to play this band for sure. Their new record, Tournament of Death, is now available from the good folks at Horror, Pain, Gore, Death. Well, that band, that really cool grindcore band that you just heard, was a Shining Wizard. And their track, Gut Wrench. Now, what Shining Wizard is, it's one of those... One of those grindcore, hard, hardcore bands that just is totally in love with professional wrestling. And so when that record came across my desk, it's like, of course, this being the Shining Wizards Network and our good buddies, this, you know, the Shining Wizards and all that, definitely had to drop that track. And I want to say hello and horns up to the good folks at the Shining Wizards podcast because the first really big. Uh, wrestling event just happened a couple days ago um, wrestle kingdom in japan oh wow and yeah yeah really cool it's like wrestlemania it's like japan's wrestlemania except that's cool wrestle wrestle kingdom is good as opposed to mania well anyways the the american play-by-play man kevin kelly who's been on our good buddies the shining wizards gave them a shout out on pay-per-view live nice yeah at this time we want to say hello you know to our to our good buddies at the shining wizards podcast and all that because they've had mr kelly on a couple times and all that so i thought that was really super sweet and um so good on them good on them and thank you mr kelly for that like i said dude 2023 is off and running. So that makes it 1983 is 40 years young now. Yeah, that's really, really weird to think about. <laughs> I thought, I thought, yeah, it's it's something that we definitely need to talk about because 40 is big. Yeah. You know, apparently 60 is the new 40. Okay, as as you mentioned. So I thought, you know what, to start this year off, like maybe let's kind of go through 1983, challenge ourselves, see how much we remember, you know, even though I kind of, I didn't go metal full time until 84 and all that. So, yeah, I kind of had to play catch up on, on some of this. But I thought, you know what, it'd be really cool. Let's... Uh, Let's kind of take a trip down memory lane, go back to 1983, and kind of see what's what. Okay, and, <coughs> excuse me, start things off, okay? Bands, bands that recently, that formed in night 1983, and I'm not, and I'm not talking bands that put out their debut album, because a band can form in a year, uh, in one year, and not really put out their debut record for another five years, another ten years, even. Like Twisted Sister. They started in the early 70s. They didn't put out their like first 75, record. 75, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, maybe earlier than that. Yeah, they I thought it was like time. 72 or whatever it was. And they didn't put out a record until like the early 80s. So I'm kind of thinking, like, let's just go through... A list of bands that kind of formed, and I think it's going to be um, 
it's going to be kind of interesting. Okay. Um, do you have one that kind of jumps out at you right away? The first one, looking at this list, because <clears throat> um, I've got the wiki pulled up to yeah. assist my, yeah. my brain here. We're, we're, we're not doing any great research here. <laughs> I just poured another <laughs> drink and we're just pissing around at, 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 at this point. So, yeah, we're wikiing it here. But uh, there's the, the one that caught my eye right away was death. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that was 83? Like, wow. It, yeah. Just, just wow, you know. And then the other one, you know, a few down from that that, that got me because of the um, soundtrack they're going to do in about three years um, later is Fastway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, yeah, because... He's Fast Eddie Clark was with, in Motorhead for so long, but he would probably be around that that time. Yeah, yeah. That 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 he would have left and made his way out, and you know, car, carved his his own niche, shall we say? Um, the one okay, going going down the list a little more. Okay, Al A. Guns and Lizzie Borden. Okay, they were. It wouldn't be until like the later. 80s when their first records would come out. Yeah, like 86, but I guess, 87. Yeah, but if I guess back then they were doing the um, the LA circuit as well, the Sunset Strip. Yeah, the club circuit. So so I say yeah. So that that really didn't surprise me much. What did surprise me though was Canadian Industrials Mal Havoc. Okay, now who Mal Havoc? They didn't put out. Their first record until 1989 on the Epidemic label up here in Canada because this is a this is a really cool Toronto industrial band. Okay, like if you, if you dig Ministry, you know bands bands of that that ilk, you're definitely Mal Havoc is going to be one of those um, diamonds in the rough. Like, dude, give this band a shot, and you're gonna go, man. How, how come I did not hear of these guys before? Because while they were kind of, while they had their, um, well, they had their following up here in Canada, they never really broke out much, much further. So that kind of took me by surprise when I saw, you know, um, Mal Havoc started back in '83. What the hell were you guys doing back then? As well, um, the Necrophagia. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That was Killjoy's band and their debut record, "Season of the Dead," which is an all one of my all-time favorites. That would come out 1986, 1987, on the new Renaissance label. So uh, yeah, I assume you know they would have been doing. Doing shortly after this, the whole uh, demo circuit and all that. SOB, not D, but SOB, that's the name. I didn't know they went back that far. They were a, um, a Japanese grindcore band. Okay, and my, like, 
my first well well i'd kind of seen the name bouncing around but the first time i've had sort of any real exposure and it really wasn't even that but um dan lilker when he was in when he was in town here touring with brutal truth supporting napalm death i guess this would have been about 1990 it was the Utopia Banished record, Napalm's Utopia record. And, of course, whenever Lilker is on stage and, like, people are smart asses, nuclear assault, nuclear assault, you know, someone yelled out S.O.D. Okay. To which Lilker stops everything and goes, did someone just request SOB? Which I thought, I don't think so, but I think it's really cool. You know, like Lil Lilker is acknowledging this more or less obscure Japanese grindcore band yeah. from, from back in the day, which is kind of reflective of, uh, you know, of just how, how immersed in metal the guy was oh for sure. yeah. and then still is and still is yeah the red hot chili peppers i'm glad you pointed that one out because i was like holy shit 83 mm. you know and it makes sense cause i think what mother's milk was 88 89 yeah you know and that was their third or fourth album by that point mm -hmm. um and 83 Somewhere in here, in, in the early 80s, is when Fear would have been on Saturday Night Live and Trash the Studio, and Flea would have been a member of Fear, and it, it just, and until I look at it like this, I'm like, oh, wow. I, I just forgot, you know? All right. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, yeah, it was the Mother's Milk, milk record, but I did kind of like go back and it's like okay these guys have been around for for uh, for a little bit yeah you know and i just they're another one of those bands that okay mother's milk great record i never saw them blowing up like the the way they have oh me neither me neither especially with mm -hmm. with mother's milk i mean mother's milk's an amazing record start to finish right you know and but i mean even with um Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it's a great record, but I still didn't expect it to get the appeal that it's had. Mm -hmm. You know, because that really oh, brought yeah. them out. Yeah, yeah. Really cool band out of Minneapolis, Impaler. I remember, okay, I remember when these guys, they put out their first EP, Rise of the Mutants. It must have been about 1985, and that was one of those albums... That just got Tipper Gore in a tizzy <laughs> because it was, you know, it was the picture like the, the album cover was was a picture of the singer and he's got this bloody meat hanging out of his mouth. And, you know, it's just like it's something like the PMRC would have gravitated to. So, yeah, good on good on. We got to have Impaler on like any band that, you know, did so so much with so little, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> like, definitely deserves our attention. And there was a little band called Megadeth formed in 1983. Yeah, I forgot that that was the year that would have all gone down. <laughs> it would have been. Well, because 
Yeah, because it would have been the year before. Because didn't they? Didn't Metallica sack uh, sack Mustaine right before the recording of Kill 'Em All, and they brought Kurt Hammond in from 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 Exodus? So you would have needed about a year. Well, here's the thing: or, it was it was April of '83 they sacked him, so he was on on the way home, and then he was oh, okay. formed. Megadeth in early 83. So then Kill 'em All comes out in 84. And then is So Far So Good So What 85, I think? Uh, up, Not So Far up, So Good So What. Here. Damn it. No. I, what's yeah. the first? Oh Killing. my goodness. Killing. Killing thank you. Yeah. I, can't, I can't believe I screwed that up because I, <laughs> I love that record. Oh, goodness. Remote that my been metal card. 80, 85 up here. I'm not uh, even drinking tonight. That's That hurts. <laughs> Hey, it happens. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Um, kind of along that line, speaking of Kurt Hammett and all that, and the Bay Area, up until about 1986, they changed their name to Testament, but in 1983, Legacy formed. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like That's cool. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I guess it would have been like 1987, that the Testament debut record, the legacy, like you couldn't call it anything else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that would have came out. So, so check yeah. this out. Since we're, you know, looking at the Testament there, Trickster, Trickster right. starts in 1983. Uh-huh. I could have sworn in 1990, those kids were like barely 17. So are you trying to tell me at 10 years old they started the band Trickster? Well, I guess they were they had to have been a little older than that. What's the You you had to be at least 21 to play in a bar, right? Well, in, yeah, in the but US. there was always dude, there was always exceptions being made. I was playing in bars at 20. Yeah, I guess if everyone just keeps their mouth shut. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if it's it's a don't ask, don't tell, don't go near the bar, kid. You know? Right? Yeah. Play your shit and go. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's rules, whatever. But as long as you're not doing anything stupid, nobody really says anything. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't. You know, especially Did... if you can actually play. Right. Oh, you know, no, it's one sure. thing if you're just making noise, but if you're if you can actually like play, nobody gives a shit. You know. Oh, I definitely hear that. Did the name Tiger Tales mean anything to you? No, no. Other than, wasn't there that cartoon in the 80s, Shirt Tales? Was it a spinoff from that? I don't think so. I think, no, I think, no. I think it was. This Around the same time, and the Tiger Tales never really caught on here in North America. But you remember the first Poison record, Look What the Cat Drag. Oh, yeah. And... You just took one look at them, and they thought you thought, "Oh, this is so over the top glam." You, you okay? I was this, seriously confused because I thought they were girls. That like, the they sound like guys, but yeah. they look like girls. Like, I, I've talked to so many other you know guys around our age that were like, "Yeah, dude." Like, I totally thought they were chicks when I saw that album cover. I just remember being so confused, like, "What in the world is going on here?" <laughs> well. As much as we were doing that on this end of the pond, on the other side, Tiger Tails and their fans in the UK, or the hard rock and metal fans in the UK, 
we're doing the exact same thing about them. The only reason why I even heard of Tiger Tales, which is, I kind of get it. Okay. Please tell me this is Boy George's first band. <laughs> some people might have thought that. Some 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 people might have thought that. Actually, Culture Club was already going at this point. They were already off and running, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that was kind of... Uh, that that was interesting. Carnivore formed in 1983, and just yesterday, as we speak, was the birthday of one Peter Steele. Wow. He, he of um, typo negative, yeah. who, who we lost probably I can't remember the year now, but it it's been longer than it seems that Pete yeah. Steele has left us. Pre typo was this awesome New York metal band called Carnivore, who they kind of looked like Man of War, and they kind of have it, had a, they had a metal sound, but kind of a little more on the thrashier side. Their debut record would be full-on metal, and then the following one, Retaliation, was more of a hardcore band and all that, which was fine with me being, you know, both metal and punk and all that but it definitely rough rustled some feathers on the on the metal side it's like what happened to our carnivore here man what the hell what the hell um okay i want i i need to talk about warrant dirty rotten filthy stinking rich okay this warrant in question though Okay, that got to that formed in 1983 was the German metal band. Okay, which actually predates. I want to say Warrant is from L.A. Or at least I, I really don't remember. I mean, everybody was from L.A. eventually. In, yeah, everyone kind years. of moved to L.A. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but this Warrant, okay, actually predates the hair. Warrant and I, I remember in the record shop, you know, right after, right after the the first hair warrant. What the hell was that record called? Dirty Rotten, Filthy Stinking Rich. Stinking Rich, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> duh. <laughs> it was right after that, and I'm kind of in the record shop, and I'm, you know, I'm going through the records and all that. I there's two guys beside me. And one says, and I, I don't know these guys, and, you know, I'm not really talking to them. One one says to the other, hey, man, check this out. Warrant, you know, they were like a metal band before they went all glam fag or whatever bullshit, you know, they used. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself, oh, my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, I hate to tell you this, pal, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Before we get on to some tunes here, I'm going to say hello and horns up to Radioactive Metal alum Paul Speckman. He of master fame. The first uh, he formed, you know, that 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 same band in yeah. 1983, which, yeah, that kind of that all kind of works out. Yeah, I totally, totally get that. I want to play some warrant. Okay, not not not, not gonna go. Pennies. 
I'm not gonna go too Down far boys. back. No, no, I want to play the real wards. Oh, this is when you start saying stuff like the real slaughter. <laughs> yeah, and you play up all night. I don't think so, dude. I don't think so. We're gonna get to the real war in 2014. Really cool record, Metal Bridge, courtesy of the good folks at Pure Steel Records. This is Warrant with Asylum.
The title track from their second record, Punishments, that's the aforementioned Canadian industrial bangers, Mal Havoc. Dude, this, I, when I, when I saw, okay, they formed in 1983. It's like, okay, I have to talk about them. We've, I don't think we've ever played Mal Havoc on the show. And I said, Aaron is going to love this band. So we definitely should get something out there. And before that, going back to their debut record from Japanese Grinders, SOB. B. That's for you, Mr. Lilker. That was Raging in Hell from the Don't Be Swindle record. Really, really cool stuff. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. 1983 had a lot of cool albums and EPs released that year as well, which I guess the same can be said for every year, but those those early those mid 80s man when we were first getting into metal and all that we just this this whole new world just kind of seemed to to open up to us and we just it was a magical time and for some reason like it just seems like those years just gave more than any of the years from like 1990 and on, but like deep down, I know that's kind of crap because every year, you know, has their good and bad, but 1983, which I would have discovered with some of these records the following year, gave us a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. Like, like it really, it really did. Um, one of these albums that immediately drops out or dr- drops, you know, that jumps you know, is Anvil's Forged in Fire. Okay, because that's kind of the record that, um, like, okay, Anvil never really hit it big, as big as they should have. Like, we should be talking Anvil in the same breath as Priest, Maiden, Metallica. Like, okay, maybe maybe not that high, but we should be speaking Anvil like outside of our own personal love and outside of our own collections and, and, and all that Anvil should have been huge. And it was that forged and fire record that really, you know, should have paved the way for it. Um, when did you discover Anvil? Um, I don't know if I've ever, truly listen to any of their music i'm mostly aware of them from you guys from you and rock oh okay i'm very aware of them but well yeah 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 1983 saw the release of accepts balls to the wall this is one of those records i think it was accepts third album at this point but um, it was definitely like the 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 title track single. Oh yeah, is and now that video. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Balls to the wall. For sure. And when when I'm a dumb thirteen year old or whatever, I don't. I never really. You know, it's it's just a, a kick ass. It's it's kind of like a very metal, like it's like it's an anthem. You know. And it says balls. 
Yeah. Like you're 12 like, and 13. Like balls. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But then as you get a little older and you understand what that song was about, it's like, holy shit, that's fucking heavy. Not just the music, but just 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 in general so yeah that's definitely and i discovered that that album that band that song you know after going metal full time as well before before going metal full time i had um i i i already had billy idol's rebel yell and the first solo billy idol self-titled already in my collection like when I was just a pop fan and all that. Um, and that's that's kind of a record that I've I never outgrew and I kept I I was kept with me as I went metal, as I went punk and just 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 kept going. Rebel Yell was like the heavy equivalent of thriller. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, because it was it was such a huge record too. Yeah, and it crossed you know? over to so many people who normally wouldn't have given a shit. Right, right. You know? Like, I I knew metalheads. Like once I once I went metal. Like there's a lot of metalheads that were into it. There's a lot of punks that, that 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 still enjoyed that record. And there's just a lot of Joe and Jane average. Just yeah. a lot of 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 normies. So yeah, very very powerful record. So hang on, let me look at the track listing here. Eyes Without a Face, Rebel Yellow. Right. Obviously, I remember those. Um, yeah. Blue Highway, I don't remember that. Flesh for Fantasy, I remember that. And then Crank Call. Okay, yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Yep, the, those are the ones. And Steve Stevens. Oh, dude. What a badass guitar player. Mm-hmm. What an absolute badass. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately... Outside of like uh, we was when when he went solo and did his Atomic Playboys, like I jumped all over that record, but no, nah, it just it just never caught the commercial success that he enjoyed with 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 Idol, and that's kind of too bad. Um, I might kind of lose all sort of cool points here, but Black Sabbath's Born Again was my first Black Sabbath album. Because I would have been, I think I knew who Sabbath was, and I knew who this crazy guy Ozzy Osbourne was. Okay, but if I wasn't going metal until, you know, the year after this, it kind of stands to reason, like, you would maybe get into a band on the first, on that, the latest record. Now, I know a lot of it, like, with the internet now, and Garage Band, and, you know, like all that has changed right okay but you know back in the day before we had the internet like we had to go with what with what we with what we knew and at the time the born again that that image that album was all over the place still so yeah that was you know confession time that was actually my first first uh sabbath record Speaking of which, Dio's Holy Diver, 1983 as well. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> what the hell? That's an oh, album shit. that stayed on everybody's turntable from like 83 to 1990. Oh, yeah. 
I I can't yeah, remember but... a time in the '80s when somebody didn't mention Holy Diver, mm-hmm. and they always had to put their leg up, and you know, you put one leg up, you go Holy Diver, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. make make like they're singing in the microphone, just. Have oh, you yeah. heard Have you heard Kill Switch Engages version of it of the, of the title track? No. Dude, you have to check this out. Like, regardless of what any of our any of our listeners, whatever you might think of Kill Switch, okay, this this version is fantastic. Like, and I remember a couple weeks ago on that radio station's mandatory metal, they played Kill Switch's version of Holy Dive, and it's like, wow. okay, that's impressive. I, yeah, I can get behind this. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Another record that was blowing everyone away in the well, more more underground than anything else, but uh Grim Reaper's See You in Hell. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, with that uh you know, with 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 the with the Grim Reaper on the on the um on on the horse and the cliff and you know, see you in hell, my friend. It's like, wow. Yeah, just it, it, that was, and it's too bad that Grim Reaper, you know, they had their success. Okay, but they never really broke through into to a more mainstream. And I, I definitely, I could have seen it happening. Was that Nick Bocott? Was he the, guitar, the guitarist there for Grim Reaper? I am yeah, not Nick Boca. Yeah, I, because he went on to do a lot of writing for Guitar World. He interviewed Dimebag. Um, and he currently does some writing for Sweetwater. Like he he's one of those wow. guys that transitioned from being, you know, a a a a player a player to a journalist. And I mean he still plays. Like he still does tracks and all sorts of stuff. Um but it's funny because, like, if you saw him today, you would never think that he was in the band Grim Reaper. Oh, you know, yeah. He, no, I, just I, I don't doubt it. Chubby old bald dude. I'm like, wow, you were in Grim Reaper. <clears throat> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is cool, you know? Which to us, yeah. Well, you were in Grim Reaper right on. To yeah. us, that's, you know. Oh, exactly. That, that would have been, that, that been absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um Couple couple key D butt records here. Merciful Fates Melissa. Okay, like that's oh my god, that's still and like Merciful Fate, King Diamond, they put together so many wicked albums over the years, but those first two albums, first two full length, Melissa and Don't Break the Oath, those are still my two of my favorite, not just Merciful Fate records, but just Records in general, if I was to make a list of my 20 all-time favorite records, both of those have to be on on that list. As well, 1983, and we touched upon this earlier, saw the debut, man. The debut, Kill Em All. Yeah. You know, like, who? I, ha- I totally have my dates wrong. I really thought it was 84, but yeah, 83. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, like, and, and and who knew? Actually, I was I was just having this conversation um, with one of my coworkers at work, who like is sort of into metal, but he's just you know he's not psychotic like 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 we are. But we were talking about the new ghost, the new the the new ghost material, and I was saying to him that I I I can't believe just how 
much that ghost is blowing up like i have the first couple records and i knew they would kind of have their underground success but pushing into the mainstream like this i was i was totally shocked yeah. so which of course made me think who knew like that first time you you know you dropped your needle onto the kill em all record and you gave it a spin and we're not talking the 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 Electra re-release. We're talking, you know, the Megaforce first pressing, 1983, 1984. There's no way. Like yeah. you knew, okay, this is this band is going to be something special in the underground. And they did go on to become something special. You know, not only in the underground, but above and beyond. And no one saw that coming. No one. No one. So let's back up in this list a little bit. <clears throat> and there's right. a couple bands I want to talk about. Okay, good. I want to talk about Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind. Okay. I can't believe that was 83. Because <clears throat> like, oh, and, and this is where I get things mixed up. Mixed up. I can't remember. Is this the Trooper or, or is this? um, Yeah, the Trooper. Trooper was on Peace of Mind, yeah. Yeah. But then there's another one that I get confused. White man came across the sea. Will we ever <laughs> be set free? Uh-huh. What, what song is that? Okay, are you ribbing me here? Or? Yeah. I, I, I'm No, no, like like I can't remember it. Let's run to the hills. Oh, thank God. From Dude. Number of the Beast. You had, to get a brain fart there. Okay. Apparently, I can't do this show if I don't drink. <laughs> Hey. Like I can't do this show sober, apparently. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, I'm Dr. Johnny Fever. Because yeah. I'm normally faster when I'm drinking yeah. too. That's right. Oh That's right. wow. That's, I told you, Dr. Fever, big influence on the show. But wow, my I I don't know if I've ever been happier to make a revelation in my life. <laughs> but anyway. Like, this album was a huge album for me because I was learning to play the Trooper when I started picking up bass, right? So I pick up bass by 85. This album's already two years old, but the album, that, or the book that I get at the music store that I'm taking lessons at, Heavy Metal Bass Lines, has the Trooper in it. And so I, I went back to this album. And right. this, I mean... Well, hell, the first five main records. Is there a more perfect set of five records ever? No, you know, no, that's, yeah. Like, like they just can't. They can do no wrong here. And then the other one I want to talk about is Kiss's "Lick It Up," mm -hmm. because Kiss was really taking a beating at this point. Because you know, so uh, right before this would have been "Creatures of the Night," Vinnie Vincent. Lick It Up comes up, title track, Lick It Up, big hit. But, you know, I would say probably nobody else knows any of the other songs on here. And honestly, I don't think it, a lot of people know what's on Creatures of the Night. And then 84's Animalize, and then finally by Asylum in 85 is when they start to stabilize, right? Like, like that. that's when... You know they they've got Kulik and they're they're kind of on their way, but this album, dude, Exciter, 
killer song, not for the innocent killer song. Look it up, we all know. Young and Wasted, that Eric Carr sings, killer song. Um, I can't replace Gimme More off the top of my head right now. But then All Hills Break It Loose, like opener, like first song on the second side. All hell's breaking loose. Dude, just such a great groove, right? Million to one. Oh, fits like a glove. Uh, dance all over your face. And then my one of my personal favorites, and on the eighth day. Like, just, I love this album. And it does not get talked about a lot. This one in Asylum. You know, although like what I can't figure out is why people just so many people just don't even acknowledge Asylum, like even Kiss. Like, dude, do you realize they have put out an anniversary issue for every fucking album except for Asylum? Wow. They did Crazy Nights. They've done Hot in the Shade recently. I'm like, Asylum, I'm waiting where is the asylum? That was my first tour. Like, where's the asylum record? Ah, oh, it's driving me crazy. But anyway, yeah, I, I had to back up and talk about those two because I, I oh, you know, fair I, those are a pretty big deal for me in 83, even though I wouldn't have heard them until later. They they were important. Um, and, and you know what? Here's another one I just saw, which I didn't realize was 83, but Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil. Shout at the Devil, yeah, yeah. That was actually... One that was one of the few like before going metal full time, like I had bought, like like I had a few metal albums, you know, yeah. hard rock, rock and metal and all that. That was actually one of one of the few like straight out metal albums that I had, like the Pop Snowy. I probably didn't like, get that until eighty four because yeah. I because I feel like I got that. Well, when did when did um. Oh, smoking in the boy theater pain. When did theater uh, pain 80, come out? Eighty six. That was eighty six. Okay. Yeah. So then I probably got. Um, I, honestly, I probably got Shadow of the Devil somewhere between eighty five and eighty six, or eighty four and eighty six, somewhere there. But I, I still have the my vinyl copy that my grandmother bought me. Right on. Yeah, yeah I sit yeah, beside me right now. Right on. Right on. Yeah, that was like I said. That was one of those records that. Kind of crossed over, you know, from from the hard rock and metal in, 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 into my collection, and then and then shortly after that, it went went metal full time and discovered like Too Fast for Love. You know, it's like, oh, that's that's the first record, right? Okay, this is actually really cool. But then the world kind of changed for me once uh, once I I hit a certain age. Hair, hair metal starts started taking over and all that and i just there's just a i just was very disillusioned with a lot of mainstream stuff from about 86 to 89 you know where i was just like oh fuck everything on a major label except maybe master puppets you know <laughs> yeah fuck them I, i'm underground uh death punk hardcore you know like that's so I never, that's kind of, that was the last really good record, the crew record that I really dug until I kind of got over that hump just in time for Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. Which, which, which that was an absolutely amazing day. I don't yeah. feel like you missed much in between those days. 
Uh, well, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just glam or hair. It it was what it was doing to other bands. Like it was like like some some bands like visually, Ozzy's now wearing all these goofy clothes and teasing oh, his yeah. hair. Scorpions are doing the same. The Wilson sisters, okay. Like they they were all done up, all preppy, like like they were looking like Cindy Lauper or something. Yeah. And you ask Nancy Wilson about the eighties now, and she'll just oh fuck. Uh, yeah, I just remember being very uncomfortable in a lot of uncomfortable shoes. <laughs> like that's 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 her takeaway from the eighties, and it's like all oh, these great bands that that you know I was discovering going metal full time. It's like what is this hair metal doing to these great bands? Well, and it's it's interesting to bring that up, and you know I I didn't really think about it till you said it because I just kind of enjoyed all the visuals, but the eighties was a very visual time because mm-hmm. of MTV. MTV and preppy, and, you know. B- oh, yeah. Before MTV, you know, we had ugly rock stars. After MTV, everybody had to be somewhat pretty, ruggedly handsome, something like that. You know, yeah. You yeah. you couldn't be uh, well, Lemmy anymore. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually having this conversation, like not 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 on a metal face Facebook page, but just like on an eighties. One and that that whole idea came up about how with the rise of MTV and the music videos, all of a sudden you had to look a certain part. And oh, yeah. I said, "Yeah, that's what killed the career of Christopher Cross." Now, there's a, that might be the name. He was an easy listening singer oh, from from, yes. from from the seventies and eighties, and he wasn't. Let's just say he wasn't on any GQ magazine covers. But he was very big until, you know, the mid-80s kind of kicked in, and all of a sudden, like, Christopher Cross is, do- is was done. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, when you woke up this morning, I bet you you never thought you'd be hearing the name Christopher Cross nope. tonight. <laughs> Definitely not. But, hell, all bets are off, dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Ozzy's Bark at the Moon. That's like I. I was surprised. I'm like, wow! I didn't realize that that was '83. It it had to have come out late '83, because that was the record. I I knew who Ozzy was. I knew who a Sabbath was, but it just kind of wasn't my thing when I was when I was really young and 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 all that. But this was the record that I discovered Ozzy with, and then you go back and you pick up the other two and all that. All right, and this is Jakey Lee on this record. This was Jakey Lee's, yeah. This was, you know, one of the first guitar gods, even though I'm not a player. Okay, like, that's just, like, this, you knew, like, this Jakey Lee. You know, then you learn about Randy Rhodes, and then you kind of, and then a couple years later, you see Zach Wilde, and you kind of see a pattern with Ozzy. You have have Ozzy, and then he has the sidekick, that's just a fucking amazing guitarist. Well, that's just it. Is like you know, I, and I would love to know if that was all Sharon, like like how they, I, be, because to have that many, 
iconic guitar players in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, to and, and and here's the deal: Zach Wild, who the fuck was he when they found him? Mm-hmm. He was playing New Jersey clubs. He was no one, but he's a killer guitar player. Right. You know, and so good on Sharon and Ozzy for being like, oh, no, this guy. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff here. And yeah, man, like it pretty much if you're if you're Ozzy's guitar player, um, you're you're a guitar god. Like if mm-hmm. if you get that gig, you know you can pretty much just get your guitar <laughs> yeah. card retirement card. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I'm proud to say we had we had an Ozzy guitarist in Gus G on the show. Oh, that's right. That was that that was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from there, and this was one of those records that I got into before going metal full time, but Quiet Riot's Metal Health. Like this is this is the record that basically put '80s metal on the map. Okay, because that's when. Um, okay, because wasn't Metal Health the first? And okay, whatever your definition of metal is, wasn't that the first metal to go number one on Billboard? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That that was a game. That was a game changer of an album. Oh yeah, and again, everybody loved it. Yeah, whether everybody. it was yeah, whether it was um, whether you were a dyed in the wool metalhead or if you were a more mainstream kid like I was, like you you were all you were all over this record. And today, okay, I'm sure now a lot of people okay because I don't think there's any original members with the death of Frankie Benelli. I think. I think all of the original members of Choir Riot are gone. Not dead, but you know, there are no more no more original members. So yeah, they're not gonna be picking up any new fans, but even those fans that I I feel were were all, you know, true and cavalt and you know, or death metal in the eighties and all that, all those fans would be in their fifties now, our age. And I'm thinking a lot of those bands, they might, a lot of those fans, they might not admit it or whatever, but I'm sure they're cranking metal health or they're at least listening to it on the radio. Cause I, I, I hear bang your head and come on, feel the noise all the time at work, you know, and everything stops for three and a half minutes. Like when, when, when those songs come on. So, you know, it's funny. Next year, when we celebrate the um, 40th anniversary of 1984, <laughs> I will be talking about the Slade album, um, Keep Your Hands Off My Power Song. Oh, hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And I find it, find it funny that I was such a huge fan of that Slade record, mm-hmm. but had no idea that the uh, Quiet Riot hits I loved were Slade songs. <laughs> Well, that's that's the discovery, you know, when you when you go when you go metal full time and you're you're just like you're just like a newborn with all these shiny objects, you know, so you're discovering all this stuff, this band's record, this band's record. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my God, I didn't know that those choir ride songs were uh, 
were old slave tunes. They were cover songs. Shit, today, to this day, I still jar a bunch of Gen Xers when I when I tell them Joan Jett's "I Love Rock and Roll" is an old Arrow song. That that still gets people, and they Why look at me like Gary Glitter. No, that's not Gary Glitter. Why no, there was the, it was the Arrows. Yeah, I dude, I get some of those bands mixed up. Yeah, well, it was a while ago. Yeah, and like I said, you're not like you said, you're not drinking. So I know. Apparently, what I can't hell? do the show sober. The hell, I'm, I'm um, gonna have to send a send a crate of Jack down to your well, place. It, long story short, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll explain off air, but. There is alcohol in the house, but due to other circumstances, I'm not drinking it tonight just because it's one of those chain effect things and nothing ah. bad, but you know, I'll tell right. I'll tell you later. It's just, oh, okay. it's, it's stupid right. and it's honestly a bit of a thorn on my side because there's really no other reason for me to not have a beer right now. Ah. Um, but anyway, complete tangent for a second, because there's still a couple albums here I want to talk about. But since we're talking about both Ozzy and Slade, did you hear about the Christmas song that Ozzy and Naughty Holder did? No. It just came out you know, oh. in 2022. Oh, okay. And um, it, it was not what I expected when they talked about it on uh, Hair Nation on XM. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Naughty Holder and Ozzy did a Christmas song. I'm expecting, like, the next version of Merry Christmas, Everybody, or, like, some other fun Slade, like, rocking song. Oh, no. <laughs> this is, uh-huh. like, a tearjerker. Ozzy is narrating, reading letters from World War One soldiers. Oh, wow. About, you know, the Christmas Day truce when, you know, they... They they go out and they shake hands and they gather their dead and all this. I'm like, holy crap. Like, you could have warned me. Like, uh-huh. what a downer. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. But I I am, I can't believe that that was even made today. Wow. I, I can't me believe too. that, it, that, it, that it, I'm glad that it it was because like that's that's a piece of history. And I mean, Ozzy grew up in war-torn England, you know? So, right, yeah. So, so it's, it was very fitting for him to read those letters because he would have grown up with, uh, you know, probably like a lot of the, the kids and grandkids of the people that have written those letters. No, you for know? sure. So, back to albums, all right? Let's talk about Suicidal Tendencies' debut record. Mm-hmm. Suicidal Tendencies, self-titled. And this is the this is the album that caused all the controversy with "I Shot the Devil." I shot the devil, right? yeah. And then um, institutionalized. All I wanted was a Pepsi. <laughs> to this day, people still make that joke. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's it's never going to stop, you know. Um, but then I saw your mommy. You remember that oh, one? Oh my god! Yes. Uh huh. Like that is just a. A classic, classic song, you know. But I mean, j- just those three songs right there, just wow, mm-hmm. right. And that was that was one of those albums that were. And now I didn't. I have the original Frontier Records, like cut the the the, the original pressing, but I I didn't I didn't pick that up until. 
Okay, came out in 83. It would have been about 86. I had already moved here, gone metal and hardcore full time. So that, that was one of those one of those records that was tailor made for me. You know, it has it appealed to both the punks and the metalheads. Because they they were playing institutionalized on our version up here on MT, on uh, much music, our version of Headbangers Ball called the Power Hour. They they would play that, and yeah, it just it just it was it was one of the original crossover bands before yeah. they even before a crossover was even a thing. Yeah, and you got Rocky George with Pirates Hat. Right. Right, and. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't come on board until the Control by Hatred um, feel like shit deja vu. Like oh, okay. the, the, kind of that combined EP with Masters of No Mercy and then the two different versions of How I Laugh Tomorrow. You know? Ah, uh, right. Uh, and then I went backwards from there. You know, uh-huh. I, just, I love, oh God, I, lo- <laughs> I loved How I Laugh Tomorrow. I just remember hearing that and being like, wow. You know, because I, I told you the first time I ever saw them, I was scared. I'm like, ooh, these fuckers look tough. You know, right. I don't want to mess around <laughs> with this. Well, yeah, that was also at that time. I'm glad you meant you mentioned that. You know, where I'm I'm going to hardcore, I'm going to punk shows with, you know, with my Venom backpatch on and my Creator T-shirt, wondering, okay, I'm. Uh, as soon as this show is over, I'm getting the fuck out of here. There's no after party for me because I don't. Because it, it was the 80s. It was a tumultuous time between metalheads and punks. It was it's a not tumultuous like it is time today. all the time. I feel it like was. It, everybody was wanting to beat up somebody for some reason. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And yet, everybody was still happier than they are today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of... I think everyone is only thinking back to the 80s for the fond, like for the, the good stuff. Like the the 80s had a lot of shit that we don't want to live through again. But well, like yeah. Gen but, Xers our age, but what's we're, funny we're only seeing, you know, is the good like stuff. the current generations act like they are living through it. You hate me, you know what? I'm like, do you don't know what hate is, man? <laughs> like you really don't. Like, like like nobody is like picking you up and throwing you off of something. Whether it's the stadium, the bridge, like wherever the hell you are, like like that was a thing, man. Like you you went by the wrong crowd, the wrong place. You're getting your ass tossed off of something, you know. Like uh-huh. you, you learn to hang on to shit, you know. <laughs> oh no, for sure, for sure, for sure. And I'm I'm glad things things are different now. Like like I I go into a gig and I see I see long hair. And I see Mohawks, and they're all having a drink together. And they all know who I am. So, hey. Oh, it's like <laughs> Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Uh, well, it is. It you is. Yeah, I, I, I walk into a club, and it's, yeah, it, it's kind of been like that, you know. But I don't take it for granted. No, no. A couple more cool albums that kind of made their mark here. We're going to get into a bit of the news that kind of was making headlines, and then we'll get into some tunes here. One of my all-time favorite records, Ravens All for One. That was record number three for Raven. And it was kind of like, it was at this time, you know, not only was I discovering 
metal, but I was also discovering thrash. I was also and discovering the new wave of British heavy metal. That that whole scene, just a little bit late, a little bit late to the party, but you know, with Venom, Raven, um, Girl School, you know, Diamond Head, all these all these great bands. You know, a little bit late, but all for one. Okay, like that that was a game changer for me as well. Because like it's like that just opened up a whole new world of of British un- underground metal as well. And that was one of those records you'll remember years ago now we were doing the um album autopsy mm-hmm. sp- special editions and all that where we would speak to one member of the band about a specific album a favorite album of ours and i'll never forget man when we sat down with mark gallagher from raven and just dissected this record like the 13 year old in me was just the whole time was like yeah that's what i'm talking about (laughs) yeah so yeah for sure for sure riots born in america i just recently bought that on vinyl just 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 a couple of months ago i lucked out with that speaking of really cool debut records okay slayers show no mercy 1983 it's like wow and that was that was one of those records that okay i i just this is this is how i discovered slayer to this day I still ruffle a little feathers and I'm not trolling. I'm not trying to get anyone going or anything, but all I have to do is state an opinion about this record on, 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 on the Facebooks. And I get people going because what people kind of forget is this record was one of the first black metal albums yeah, I can totally see that. You know, you know, because back back then, and I've sure I'm sure I've said this on the show before, before nineteen before the early nineties black metal explosion in um, the Scandinavian countries and all that, black metal never had a distinct sound. Venom sounded different from Merciful Fate. Merciful Fate sounded different from Slayer. Everything that made black metal was the lyrics and the imagery. Show No Mercy fit that. And we kind of saw Slayer as a thrash band or a black metal band. And I still get young kids today. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Fuck, I was there. Okay? (laughs) I was was there. (laughs) Finally, you'll see on the list here. Um, what the hell? No, no. Vixen. Made in Hawaii. That was not the um, L.A. all-female group. That was Marty Friedman's Vixen, who would go on to change their name to Hawaii, I believe. I'm trying to get this right here. Help, help me out here, okay? When, I'm not familiar with this one at all. Oh, oh, okay, okay. No, like I know there was a Vixen 
that Marty Friedman was um right. and this is that vixen. Yes. Yes, that 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 kind of put that out and then they would change their name oh like to Aloha. To yeah. Yeah, like that 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 is it. So and that's 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 another one of those bands where she's kind of like Warrant, like Poison. Poison was another one. Okay, before there was um, the look what you, look look what the cat dragged in. There was the German metal band Poison. Okay, Marty Friedman is sixty. Right. When did that happen? <laughs> Hey, 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 uh, goodness, am I old? The world just kind of, uh, wow, you know, and you know, it's funny, man, is like <clears throat> you're talking about Hawaii, Aloha, Vixen, all this stuff with Marty Freeman. I had no idea who he was till Cacophony or Cacophony, however right. you want to say it, and to, until he because. That's when I started reading the guitar mags, and there was always a huge ad for Shrapnel Records. You know. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. No. Oh. Shit! I kind of lost my thing here. Sorry, I'm gonna have to do some editing here, but I kind of lost. finally let's get on with some tunes here but before we uh kind of do that i kind of got some news here 1983 okay and yeah well no yeah we kind of touched on it with the lick it up record okay it was in 1983 with that album that they dropped the makeup Okay, and yeah. like, uh, like, okay, you discovered Kiss a little bit later, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, um, the first first single I heard was "Heaven's on Fire" from Animal Eyes. Oh, okay. In '84. Okay, yeah. Well, I remember this because I was actually I, like I was a Kiss fan pre 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 metal. You know, I had some I had some of their records. I continued that you know, into discovering metal, but like with, with lick it up and kind of dropping, dropping the makeup, I kind of got like, okay, this is now eighties kiss. Right. Okay. This is kiss gone hair, kiss gone glam. Okay. Now let's don't split hairs about terminologies because, you know, kiss could have been called a glam band in the seventies, under 70s glam terminology yeah they were definitely a 70s glam band right right but but then the terminology kind of changed into the 80s where hair and glam kind of kind of started being called called the same thing right would you say being the kiss aficionado here like was this the start of hair kiss oh yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, sound wise, creatures was this was the start of Hair Kiss. Oh, okay. Like cre- creatures is definitely the album for me that ushers in the sound of the '80s Kiss. Right, cre- creatures is setting the foundation for um, what's to come. You know, but but this is the album, and again, like this album does not get near enough uh, love because it's really a great record. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, th- this this would probably be like the marker that everybody else measures, where you know, makeup comes off. This is Kiss. This is where you see Gene's tongue without the demon makeup. <laughs> right, right. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else we got here? Come on, okay. Metal Health, quite right. That album goes number one. Yeah. The the single, Come On, Feel the Noise, goes number five on Billboard in November of 1983. So that was 100. And yeah, yeah. Now, the fun, okay, I kind of got a funny story about this, okay, about, uh, about that. And this situation cost uh, professional wrestler William Regal his job with the old world-class championship wrestling. William Regal, okay, at the time, Stephen Regal, was a uh, wrestler from England. Okay. He kind of came over in the 80s, made his way up through the ranks in the American wrestling scene. Big fan of American, of, of British music. Okay. He's in a studio... I don't remember exactly where, but at the same time, same interview, Kevin Dubrow is from Quiet Riot is in the same, uh, you know, it's, it's a dual interview and Slade comes up in conversation and Dubrow makes the mistake, I guess, of saying, yeah, we made Slade a lot of money. Okay, which not knowing that this pro wrestler, big Slade fan, okay, kind <laughs> kind of, of takes obse- uh, exception to this. They get into a big argument to at the point where Regal starts choking Dubrow out right there live on the air. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's wow. like no, no, no. Like you. You know, Slade made you guys a whole bunch of money and, you know, you should have your proper respect and all that. One thing leads to another. Before you know it, he's beating the snot out of Dubrow live on the air. Yeah. Slade is one of those English bands that they're not super well known here, but they're another one like Pink Floyd, like don't don't insult them. (laughs) You know, unless uh-huh. you're ready for a throwdown. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And like, here's the other thing about Slade that I don't think people realize. They started out as the band um, that all the soccer hooligans listen to. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So uh-huh. their fan base are definitely known for a tussle. You mm. know? Yeah. You think, you think Maiden... And Slayer fans are badass. You get in the middle of a soccer riot, a yeah. football riot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Speaking of badass, okay, an awesome record released in 1983 
was Manila Rhodes Crystal Logic. And this was this was a really this Manila Road, I believe they're still around in one one way, shape, or form. But um it was one of those bands that like I read about in the magazines and all that, but I never really you can't listen to everything until I started working in the war on music record shop to which our former co-hostess Elizabeth really loved this record and she would like play it all the time and all that was one of the really cool things that drew me to her even though she was this young lady at the time well she still is she had this thing for you know some classic metal for the lack of a better word from the 80s and that was one of her favorite records so I thought for her, hello, Elizabeth, how's it going? Get a hold of me. Let's play some Manila Road from that awesome Crystal Logic record. This is Necropolis. Your daughter's yawning For the peace you had before the 
Self-titled EP that was a break the spell and 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 Hellion and Anne Boleyn herself. I I I feel okay when people reminisce, okay, about the women in metal, okay, from back in the day, and people are throwing out Doro and Lee Aaron and Joe Bench from Bolt Thrower, and like I honestly think Anne Boleyn just doesn't get the type of love that you know that these others do and she definitely should 
should have, considering all the work that she also put in with new Renaissance records as well. She wasn't just a kick-ass front person and vocalist. Like, she was doing her part behind the scenes, bringing us the metal and all that. So I thought it would be a really good idea if we gave them some love now. Well, my friend, are you feeling nostalgic? I am, and I'm I'm honestly looking to the um, 40th birthday of 1984 next 84, year. 84, yes. I think I think we should kind of do this every year around this time. What, oh, absolutely. What do you think? Oh, right absolutely. On, right on. Yeah, because not only is it you know it, it's it's fun it's fun to look back, but I think it's also a good idea for our younger listeners that you know. Like the majority of the people that listen to the show, I got a fairly good idea of what our demographic is, but we do have a sizable younger audience as well. Probably the offspring of our regular listeners, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but I feel when we have conversations like this, we introduce the past to young people in the present. And that's just, it makes my metal heart pound shall we say um how can uh, people get a hold of us i honestly don't know if i know right now because i'm sober <laughs> <clears throat> um let's let's see if i can do this at rad metal 666 for instagram you'll see pictures of fun things there facebook.com slash rad metal uh rad metal 666 at gmail to send us an email RadioactiveMetal.org is the website. has all the episodes past, present, and future. Um, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Insert Podcast, Aggregator here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Triple Dog Dare You to not find us um, anywhere you can find a podcast because you can't do it. It cannot be done. It's a Kobayashi Maru. It's an unbeatable test. <laughs> and... We are also on Spotify. And we're on Spotify thanks to the fine folks at the Shining Wizards Network that we mentioned earlier, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. A whole host of podcasts out there, including our sister podcast, um, Wrestling Night in Canada, where mm-hmm. the host sounds just like Snowy. Good looking guy. <clears throat> yeah, handsome, handsome dude. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything. I feel like that's everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And once again, we want to give a shout out to the good folks at the Shining Wizards podcast. That was really cool of Mr. Kevin Kelly for for doing that. That is absolutely fantastic to get us on out of here to bring this crazy train into the station. Uh, former like radioactive metal alum Sean Frazier. He of Wise Blood Records. He uh, made it be known that today is the second anniversary of the Mother of Grave albums in Somber Dreams. So there's another birthday that we want to acknowledge. So we'll get on out of here with the track Nameless Burial. In the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been a 19... 1983 episode of Radioactive Metal. I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. Signing off.